I'm reading from my new iPhone, which I got last Sunday. <laughs> and I'm reading from the iPhone because it's got the NIV on it, and I don't have the NIV with me, so I'll read it from here. Um, I got most of my data back. I didn't get any of my photographs back, but I got most of the data, not all, but most of the data back. So whatever it was, the last couple of weeks has probably gone for good. I was going to speak to you this morning about our speech. What does the book of Proverbs say about our mouths and our tongues? <clears throat> and around about the middle of the week, felt didn't have peace in going in that direction and changed to this chapter, which now in the light of events makes sense for where we're at. In this chapter, chapter 3, Solomon, Spirit of God through Solomon, is speaking... Well, Solomon to his son, the Spirit of God to us, God's people, about aligning our lives with God and his purposes. And the first 12 verses fall into six couplets, so that the odd verses, verses 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, and so on, 11, tend to give us a directive or an instruction. If we do this, then the even verses generally, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, and 12, tend to give us the result of a blessing or a correction or whatever in our life. It's written with that sort of pattern. So let's listen to the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. My son, don't forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart and then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. Aligning ourselves with God's purposes and directions. There's a bit for us to do. And there's something in this passage that says these will be the consequences. This is what God will do. He will work out in our life. The key verses, I think, the centre to this whole thing is probably not a bad summary of the book of Proverbs. Verses 5 and 6. Some of you will probably know them off by heart. For some of you, they might even be your very favourite verses. When I first met Rhonda and I asked her what was her favourite verse, she said Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Great verses, aren't they? Great truths. And it's like not just an observation on life, but it contains a bit of a promise with it. Let's just work our way through that very quickly, those six things, then I want to focus on verses 5 and 6. He says at the beginning, really in the first four verses, that we are to keep God's instructions. My son, don't forget my teaching, my instruction, the laws, the words that I'm sharing with you. And it's really 
the commands and the word of God that comes through a parent to a child. God expects parents to teach children the word of God and to train them up in his way. And that's what this father, Solomon, is doing here with his son. Don't forget my teaching and keep my commands in your heart. Store them in your heart. Memorize them. Not just memorize them, but it's, not just, uh, it's to obey them sincerely, to not just obey them outwardly, but to obey them from the heart. Keep my commands in your heart. Why? Well, they'll bring blessing to your life. They'll add years to your life and life to your years. They'll prolong your life many years and bring peace and prosperity. General observation on life. If we follow God's ways and obey his word, it'll bring blessing into our life, prolonging our life, bringing peace and prosperity with it. But associated with his word, verse 3, is let love and faithfulness, covenant love, a commitment to God and his word and faithfulness, loyalty to him, let them never leave you, bind them around your neck, we don't fully understand what that means. Some versions translate it like a necklace, like an ornament. Let this decorate your life. But I like the idea that the author is probably suggesting bind them around your neck like a yoke. Yoke yourself to God and to his word, to his principles and to his ways. Commit yourself to walking in obedience to him. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Memorize them. Internalize them appropriate these truths to your life why well then you'll win favor and a good name both in the sight of god and of men you will be respected you'll be valued you'll be highly esteemed there are blessings to flow into your life as you seek to follow god and his ways as you yoke yourself to him trust him don't lean on your own understanding acknowledge him in all directions and paths we'll come back to that and what will happen he will direct you he will guide you he didn't say there wouldn't be obstacles, he wouldn't say there wouldn't be any surprises, but it does say that he will direct your paths. He will make them either straight or perhaps even smooth. He'll bring things together in your life as he works out his purposes. It's repeated in verse 7. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Respect him. And if you truly fear the God, revere and respect him, then you will shun evil, you'll turn away from evil. As you are conscious that you are living with God's watchful eye upon you, it'll motivate you and direct you. It will also, verse 8, bring health to you, nourishment to your bones, internally and externally, physically, and perhaps even emotionally, soul and spirit. Fear God. Align yourself with God's word. Trust him. Fear him. Verses 9 and 10, honour him. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over. You can't outgive God. Honour God with your wealth. Who are you trusting? Bank accounts? Your financial resources? Your, income, your, your job? What are you trusting? The scripture says to us, trust him. And show your trust to him by giving generously and to honour him and his work, which we do through our offerings and our generous contributions to those in need, trusting him to provide for us. I don't need this money because I have a God who will provide for me. Therefore, I am free to be able to be generous with it. That's the point. Honour the Lord with your wealth. And then finally, 
As we do that, line ourselves with God's will and his word and his purposes, as we trust him, as we fear and respect him and turn away from evil, as we have our finances right and we are trusting God by worshipping him and honouring him with our um, income, our wealth, life will still have its difficulties. And so the father says, my son, don't despise the Lord's discipline. There will be times when we just don't get it right. We get it wrong. We get off track. We know this stuff, but somehow it's not working out in our life. Well, don't resent or get cranky at God when he brings discipline or correction into our life, but rather receive it as a loving Heavenly Father who delights in you, who is trying to shape you according to his will and his purposes. That's pretty much the gist of what Solomon is saying through chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. But like I said, I just want to zero in on verses 5 to 6, just share some reflections on it, and maybe to ask some challenging points of application for each of us. Trust in the Lord. Not easy. Easy to say. There's no shortcut to it. Trusting is a personal decision, and it's something that grows and develops over time. I trust my wife. She trusts me. I trust her more now than I did when I first met her. But she is a trustworthy person. I would trust her in all circumstances of life because I know her, because I've experienced her loyalty, her reliability, her faithfulness. Well, same with God. We learn in our relationship with him what he is like. And it's safe to conclude, as many of us would testify, that it is safe and it is wise to trust him. Easy to say. But in fact, it's the best way to live. I've never done skydiving, but this illustrates the point pretty dramatically, I think. I would imagine... Has anybody here done skydiving? One, two, three, four, five fools in the church this morning. <laughs> wow. Well, you guys check this out. I haven't done it, and I assume this is how it would happen. You go through an instruction process. You get taught how to do it and what's going to happen. You may even watch some DVDs of them, of people having done it, your instructor doing it and so on. Um, you would observe with care the packing of the parachute, I would imagine, into the bag. You would do all of that. And I'm not doing it, but I would certainly have one question. Can I trust this thing to open? To which an instructor would say, there's only one way to find out. That's trust. There is only one way to find out. You can say you trust, but until you're actually in the plane and jump out of the plane, which is a foolish thing to do, really, <laughs> but until you actually did that, you will not demonstrate that it is trustworthy. Just an illustration. It's what it's like in our relationship with God. Just like I've said on numerous occasions and like I used to do, I certainly did do with my children, and I will do with my grandchildren, but it's more difficult for them. Um, well, just in terms of they don't know me as well. But with my kids, I used to always put them on tables and tell them to jump off and that I would catch them. And they would. And I would. And I'm demonstrating to them, you can take me at my word. If you jump, I'll catch you. That's what I said. So that's what God does. You can trust me, he says. 
Put your life in my hands. Follow my word. Do exactly what I instruct you to do. You can trust me. I will be there for you. And the psalmist, the, the author of Proverbs, Solomon, is saying to us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It includes every area. God's wisdom and instructions for everyday circumstances of life. Not just for salvation in the Lord Jesus. That's absolutely essential. I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with the Lord. How do I know that? Because he said so. I trust him. My salvation is complete, completely based on trust and faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what he did on my behalf, and I have accepted that. And many of you have too. But it's exactly the same in the way that we live out our life. That's trusting God's wisdom. Like we said last week, it's being active is much better than being lazy or fatalistic. God says so. If we trust him, then that's what we will endeavouring to be put into our life. That Doing good beats being selfish. But being self-disciplined, though it's difficult, is worth it in the long term. Proverbs teaches us. Speaking the truth in love is much better than lies or deceit or dishonesty or exaggeration or whatever. Having close friends, choosing friends wisely, Proverbs teaches, will impact our growth and our life. So be careful in those whom you allow to become very close to you. Pick wise, godly friends to be close. Forging strong families if you're a parent or a grandparent. Forging strong families is the best way to have a positive legacy to pass on to the next generation. Managing your anger is vital to your own happiness and to your relational harmony. Will you trust God's instructions? Will you follow him? Will you choose God's ways? The hardest time to do that is when things go wrong, when disaster strikes, when there's a crisis. It's easier to trust God in the good times. It's when the hard times come. When you're asking the question, why? Why me? Why now? Why this? And God is silent. And there are no replies. He expects you to trust him. To work out circumstances and the purposes. To trust that he is in control. To trust that he is good. In this fallen world, where things do go wrong, which are sometimes the consequences of our own selfish, sinful choices, our own foolishness. And sometimes it's we are the recipients of another person's fallenness or sin. We haven't done anything wrong in this instance, but we are the recipients of something going wrong. Well, we need to trust God that even in those circumstances, he's still on the throne, he's still in control, he is still our Heavenly Father who is aware that it's happening, is allowing it to happen, and that he will work his purposes out through it. Trust him. I think I've shared with you very personally years ago when we had a third daughter and she was diagnosed with all sorts of birth complications and problems and I wasn't trusting God. I was asking the why question and I wasn't getting an answer and I wasn't happy and I was sinful and disrespectful in my response to the Lord. And he proved very patient and very present, letting me know very clearly that he heard every word that I said in his own way. And I found comfort in his word in Exodus chapter 4, verse 12, where God is challenging Moses, and Moses is coming up with excuses about why he didn't want to be obedient to God. And God says to him, 
Who makes a person born blind? Who makes them deaf? Who made you the way you are? Is it not I, the Lord? I found immediate peace that here is my third child, a daughter, who has lots of birth issues and physical defects and lots of things going wrong in her life, and he's in control. Did he do it? I don't know. Did he allow it? Yes. Says so. Says, in fact, that he ordained that. Why? I haven't got a clue. But I do have this insight. He's in control and he is trustworthy. Even when he allows terrible things to happen to us, we can trust that he is in control. We can trust that he is good. We can trust his wisdom. When he says, forgive your enemies, that's the best advice you can get. Tough to do. I don't want to do it, no. But it's the way of wisdom. It's the best thing for you, for your own health, for your own harmony. Let go of bitterness. Trust God with your whole heart. When you can't see his hand, when you can't see what God's doing, trust his heart that he is good. Here's the Bible test for you. What's the middle verse of the Bible? The middle verse of the Bible. Some of you will know it. Psalm 118, verse 8. There's a little bit of Bible trivia for you, which says this. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. What a great central verse. It is better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. When he says lean not on your own understanding, he doesn't mean kiss your brains goodbye. He doesn't mean ignore us thinking things through, using our discernment or analysing or evaluating. He doesn't mean assume that we have learnt nothing and observed nothing in all the long years that we've been on the planet. He's not saying that. What he is saying is don't try to figure it out just by yourself. Try to figure it out. But at the end of the day, don't rely on that. Rely on him. Lean not on your own understanding. It's trust in the Lord and the way he directs you. By all means, try to figure it out, but don't lean on it. We need to be very careful that our human reactions can sometimes be completely wrong to complex life situations. We react when really what we need to be doing is responding and responding according to God's wisdom, God's direction, God's word. Bear in mind that our human perspective is always limited and sometimes it's completely wrong. Proverbs 28, verse 26, the person who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Not a sensible thing to do. We need God's input in our decision-making process. Regardless of how bright we are, regardless of how experienced we are, regardless of how intuitive we are, regardless of how much we think we got it right, that's where Adam and Eve got it wrong. They relied on themselves. They tried figuring it out and they disobeyed what God had said. Yep, they were influenced by another. So will we be. Don't rely on that. Don't lean on it. Our understanding is faulty and inadequate. But God is all-knowing. Trust him. He knows the best way. Had a missionary friend, his name was John Davidson. John was uh, with MAF. 
Missionary Aviation Fellowship, he was a pilot. He flew in New Guinea. And he flew in New Guinea for decades, years and years and years. And got to a point in life where he and his wife and his family, at uh, time had finished to be in the mission field and they were returning home. And so he pursued a career as a pilot, a commercial pilot, and he was, had to go through retraining at Bankstown Airport in Sydney. There's one significant difference. In New Guinea, you fly by sight. You fly by looking out the window and seeing the mountains and the terrain and all those things. You fly by sight. In Sydney, you fly by instrument panel. He spent the first few months of his training, which he nearly failed, of, of trying to unlearn those habits of decades. Of, it's quite natural, look out the window and steer the plane and guide the plane accordingly and ignore the panels in front of him. And he nearly got failed for it. Eventually, through discipline and a lot of hard work, he had to retrain himself. You have to trust the panels. Regardless of what your, even your experience of intuition of what you think you should be doing, John was um, like this. There was an article called 178 Seconds to Live. These 20 pilots were just like John. 20 capable pilots, but they'd never taken instrument training. They'd always been taught to fly by sight. Well, they had to uh, improve their license and their status, and so they had to go to this flight simulator for training. The instructor instructed them, do whatever you can to keep the plane under control and to land it safely. And then, of course, in the simulation process, they go through thick, dark clouds, they go through storms, and they go through all sorts of scenarios and situations. All 20 of the pilots crashed. All 20 of them failed. Seasoned pilots, skilled intuition, been flying for years, but they weren't trusting the instrument panel. They all died in less than three minutes. 178 seconds was the longest. They had to learn to trust the instrument panel. Human judgment is limited. And sometimes it's wrong. We need to trust God's instruction panel, instrument panel. He has told us how we are to live. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding, your own insight. Regardless of how smart or experienced or whatever you are, he knows all the facts. We only know some of them. And sometimes the facts we think we know can be wrong. That's why it's dangerous simply to rely on our own understanding, but to seek him. So in this decision we've experienced this week with the associate pastor and his wife feeling that we need to pause this and not proceed any further, we can sit around and think about it and talk about it and analyse it and try to put it together. And that's a necessary thing to do, but it would be foolishness to rely only on that. The question to be asked and the experience to be had is, Lord, what do you say? What's the picture here? What's going on? Speak to us. Direct us. Inform us of what your will is. Solomon goes on, in all your ways acknowledge him. In all your ways. Not some. In all. At home, acknowledge him. In your career. In your finances in your relationship, in all your ways, in every avenue of your life, to acknowledge his wisdom, his leadership, his rule. It only takes one hole to sink a ship, and so it only takes one unsubmitted area of our life to bring frustration, pain and disappointment into our lives. In all your ways, submitting to him, acknowledging him, trusting him. He's worth the risk. Question, do you have any private domains where God is not in control? Is there any area of your life where you are holding back? 
acknowledge him in all your ways. Begin today. And if you do acknowledge God, he's present, that he's listening, that he's observing, it will assist you in your spiritual growth. It'll keep you from sin. This conscious awareness that God is with you, observing and listening, it'll guide you through not wanting to quit, through wanting to give up in despair. God is with us, acknowledging him. So if I'm trusting him, not learning on my understanding, if I acknowledge him in all areas of my life, then the promise is that he will make straight your paths. He will direct us. He will guide us in his ways to achieve his purposes and ends. He is not saying that we will be healthy, wealthy, comfortable and popular. He is not saying that we'll be satisfied with all our trivial wishes and wants. He is saying he will give us direction, that he will give us purpose, that he will give us focus and fulfilment. He's not saying he will, uh, we will avoid all obstacles, but he is saying that he'll help the obstacles to be removed. He will direct us. As I said at the funeral on Friday, and as I often say at funerals, life is like a roller coaster ride. Has its ups, has its downs, has its fun times, has its scary times. Twists and turns, surprises. Life is like that. And God promises that he will direct us, that he will make our paths straight to achieving his purposes. It's what he did with Joseph in Egypt. It's what he did with Moses out of Egypt. It's what he did with Joshua, taking him into the promised land. He will direct us if we're aligning ourselves with his word, storing it in our heart, yoking ourselves to it, saying, Lord, I will do what you told me to do in your word. We trust him, acknowledging him in all of our ways, that we fear him and shun evil, that we honor God with our wealth and that we are responsive to his discipline in our life receiving it as from the hand of a loving Heavenly Father who's wanting to bring correction and direction into our life. He will guide us to stay on the right path. He will work in us to transform us, to become more like the Lord Jesus. And when we die, he will take us, guide us straight paths, straight to the gates of heaven. So the book of Proverbs reminds us that we have a choice. You can manage life your way. That's the way of the fool. It's the way of the world. That's the way of the simpleton who gets it all wrong. Well, you can hand the control of your life over to God and you can ask him to manage you and to direct you. And I'm going to pray that now and I invite you to pray with me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want you to manage our lives. We want you to manage this church. We want to trust you increasingly with every with all of our heart in every area of our life to acknowledge you in all our ways and Lord to trust you that you will make our paths straight teach us Lord your word teach us by experience that you are trustworthy help us to fear you to honor you and to respond to your disciplining hand in our lives we pray these things in Jesus name and for the uh, for his honour and for the extension of his kingdom. May your will be done. Amen.